shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Shit Welcome show. back to Shit Show Saturday. We're having a shit show interview with the audio. So we'll see how this goes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. You expect nothing less. Yeah. Welcome, shit show Jessica to the a long. When did you join Patreon? A long time ago. Seems like it. Last year, sometime like early ish last year. I think we had 40 that's people right. last night. Most, wow, that's awesome. I, I wanted to join so bad. I knew oh, I thought you were on it so for bad some last night. I wasn't. I had, um, this week has just been a mess. Um, and we had. I was doing bed bedtime last night. So. so what song do you want played when you walk into a room? Oh my God. It came to me this week. Um, Party Up by DMX. It came on my playlist. One of the ones that I was compulsively making for our trip. And I was just like, this is it. Y'all going to make me lose my mind. Like that. <laughs> Wait, that already happened. If you, I thought you were about to say Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus and I was going to end the interview. Nothing wrong with liking that song, but if somebody chooses that song as their song to walk in the room, it's going to be a hasta la pasta moment. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, carb. Okay. I also thought long and hard about this. It's a, the best carb I've ever had. Mm-hmm. has been this it's basically pizza dough mm-hmm. but it's pizza dough balls little mm-hmm. balls that are that are wrapped around string cheese bites, mm. like really small bites of string cheese okay stay with me rolled in garlic butter mm-hmm. and then you use a bunt pan and it's like a, it's like monkey bread except it's pizza mm-hmm. yeah where'd you and have you that flare oh i made it girl i made oh. it next, next retreat I'll bring my pizza dough. Nice. Um, put a little, put a little marinara in the middle. It's like a little circle of fun. That's my go-to. Like I can't make it for just us because I'll eat the whole thing and <laughs> be sick. But if I'm going to like a Super Bowl party or anything like that, it's, that's the go-to. Go-to. The weeknight version of that is um, Aldi makes. You know, I love me some Aldi. I could do a whole podcast on Aldi. Um, they make cheesy breadsticks that are pretty, pretty on point. Cheese? So there's this new one that I found at Trader Joe's that's like a, I think it was called like garlic bread cheese or something like that. And I was very intrigued. And so I bought it and I read the instructions and it was like melt this for X amount of seconds. And it's like, you know, in the microwave or in the, I have a toaster oven. We do a lot of- I know what you're talking about. And it's, it's like that top layer that you get on a, a oh yeah. my God, I love that for just like ease. I make a lot of my own steak garlic bread, as I call it. Like uh, I love the Texas Coast stuff, but I, I just do that with my own stuff here at the house. Um, okay, condiment. Ketchup, that's easy. Ketchup is king. Tommy told that story about finishing a bottle in, um, with his friend one time and like totally can relate. We crushed two bottles, my whole family and I had one vacation at a, dinner where we all had burgers it was embarrassing hail the king all yep. hail the king okay so how did you find out you were an adult child thank god i find it's kind of a long answer but basically to sum it up i had really bad therapist counselors you know <laughs> they weren't they were just you know 
out of school trying to get some experience, bless their hearts, but not really bad or just, yeah, it. are unexperienced. Both. I've had, I've had, uh, you know, one lady that I fired for some pretty insensitive comments that she made, which she could have avoided if she had just like reread my chart, which she didn't do at all. Um, and then after I fired her, I didn't really have anyone until I could be assigned. I was like, I called it. This is classic me called and talked to someone's man. Oh, I'll talk to someone's manager. I was so upset. And basically this guy was like, I'm going to get you the best person we have. And he did. And she was really great. But then she got to the point where she was like, I don't think I can help you anymore. Mm-hmm. And so then that's where I started to have to look for someone. Um, and funny enough, um, I found this person that I'm working with now still kind of a little bit um, through a different podcast or like a, a rabbit hole series of podcasts. Um, and this organization um, here in DC, it's a nonprofit, actually helps um, anyone, perinatal, um, you know, for moms and fathers who need mental health services, they pair you with a professional who has experience, you know, talking to people about those types of things. The transition to parenthood and any, any and everything that comes along with it, trauma. And she's really helped me a lot. Um, it was a I finally got it approved through my insurance a year later almost. And um, funny enough, now I'm also, so she, last year at the, around the holiday break, you know, we weren't going to be having a, a, a appointment. And she said, you know, have you ever heard of the, this thing called the adult child? And I said, no. And she said, well, why don't you just go and look that up, Google it learn a little bit about it, see what she's saying. And then next time we can, you know, we can talk about it. Like she knew what ACOA was. She knew when I told her I was going to start doing step work, she was like, okay, great. Um, very supportive. Um, so she helped me find you because as I've already alluded to, I love podcasts. Podcasts during the pandemic saved my life. Like I would just go away and walk and listen and it was like I had friends when I couldn't have friends, um, physically anyway. And, um, so I remember being, I remember I was at home for the holidays and we were out running around and my husband had run in to grab some food and I was feeling lazy, but I was like, I could use this moment to do that Google search. So I went in the podcast store instead and there you were. I listened there's, to the first maybe 10 minutes. Uh-huh. There she blew. There she blows. And um, I was like, okay, I'll listen to more of this. And then I think after I got back from the holidays, we had had a bunch of snow. And my husband is the condo president of our association, which is four units. So don't get too excited. Um, Very precise. So one of the things that we um, do as president and first lady is no removal. So I was out shoveling, listening to your podcast. And then, you know, however many days went by and I was caught up and I was just like, this girl is the closest person I've ever found to understanding me. And I haven't even met her. I was just like, this, I mean, to say, I've said to my upstairs neighbor, like, you know, you are me and I am you. Like we have, I, we're not the same person by any means, but our experiences with our mom and our dad and travel and being left and you know it continuing to be a problem t- 
today in our adult relationships is just, it's where I'm at very much. And this trying to figure out how to interact with them in a way that's not counterproductive to my own health Indeed. and to my yeah. family is, yeah. is where I'm at. And um, I just, I knew that this was where I needed to like focus my energy towards. And I think it was very much because of what you shared. And like, I really, I do think like broadcasting this message far and wide is what's what it's going to take for people like my husband to get emotionally roasted by you that's what I want to have happen like yes I just, the, mo- I the really no motivational roaster motivational that's the word yeah, I have to think about that. emotional roaster I mean I, maybe I'm kind of into that too it could, <laughs> it could be a spinoff emotional roaster <laughs> okay so let's talk about your um your picturesque childhood oh it's great no it was totally great from the outside right we had everything I went to a nice school um you know I never didn't have anything I wasn't ever hungry there wasn't ever any like sexual or physical abuse in my house like it was a great experience you know me and my brother had like the picturesque childhood we lived in a community where everyone was just outside playing all the time thank god because that was my escape because there was just my parents um they they I'm the grandchild right of how do I say this the grandchild of parents who are adult children of alcoholics right like I'm like the grandchild of you're a GCOA the, the bunch that's me. Okay. Grandchild yes. of an alcoholic. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, and they, they don't identify as adult children of, al- of alcoholics, but, and my dad's parents weren't drinkers, but I didn't really have any of the knowledge about um, para-alcoholism until I started looking into things a little bit mm-hmm. more. Um, and I still don't super understand his side of the family and, and things, but I mean, if you have more than five kids, you're going to be a fucking shit show. Um, so I think my, that was very much my grandma's. She was just like trying to manage chaos, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, and my dad, like me, I think was, is the hero child. And so that was very much modeled for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also diagnosed with uh, an autoimmune disorder when I was two, and it hit real hard. We were home for the holidays, and um, my two-year-old was being a two-year-old, right? He's just having a full-fledged freak-out moment, and I think he's like me and highly sensitive and just picks up on people and the energy, and I tell you, once I got us out of that house second he was in the car before we even started going anywhere he was just relieved to not be there meanwhile my mom's going this this time really as he's screaming and crying on the floor she's talking to me sitting in the chair going you know this reminds me of how you were when you were his age and we you know figured out that you had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis I was like yeah I'm sure it does remind you of that 
and I just like walked away. Like I just, he just wants to feel loved, heard, understood, like us all. And he just wants peace. Like he understands that this is not here in your house. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just emotional contagion. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, I was that person. I don't have any arthritis problems now. I just got my blood work done. It's all hunky dory. They can um, t- they can see it in blood work. Yeah, there's oh, a there's a like an R. I think it's called like an Rh factor. Uh huh. Oh, interesting. Um, I had to go get my blood work done, and it was in the the chart. And so I said, "Yeah, just do it all while I'm here." So, um, so yeah, I still I go to the rheumatologist every once in a while, but it's no big deal these days. And yeah, she, my mom's an alcoholic. Um, I don't think she would say that, but she drinks a lot and drinks to the point where she just falls asleep. And my dad is the codependent who, you know, brings her wine in from the garage or up from the basement or home from the store. And I, for a long time, was the peacemaker. I was you know, trying to be the hero. I was definitely the scapegoat. I was the jack of all trades. That's why I work in marketing because I can do it all, baby. Like it's just um, managing chaos has been what I what I did for my entire life. And then I went and made a job out of it. I did customer service, professional people pleasing. I did um, events for way too long. Um, which basically ended around the pandemic, although we did tons and tons of virtual stuff, which I was so sick of by the time I, we went back to in-person stuff. Um, but that was me. Like, I felt like it was all on me. And then my relatives, like people like my dad and my grandma and my mom, this is my mom's mom and her sister, I all I remember all of them and even like recently um, as last year my aunt telling me like oh we need to have an intervention for your mom maybe she'll listen to you if you talk to her and it's like no dude like she's not she has to decide to not do this and she has she's not going to and that was when I first I think started to like the whole um, releasing control like giving like letting go of control like really started to like think into my brain was like no it's not it's not happening like so um that was my but I was being told that kind of stuff when I was growing up and it was like that's an impossible task Mm -hmm. so you're setting me up to just feel like I'm a failure Mm -hmm. right like if I can't fix this situation I can fix everything else you know I can make them quit fighting I can you know listen to my mom when she wants to talk about my dad (laughs) which I don't do anymore um, it happened a few times over Christmas and I said, unsubscribe. And I just walked away. That one was for Sophie. She loves that phrase. That's mine. But, you know, I, I couldn't fix that growing up. And so that was, that's, I think what I'm working on right now in, um, EMDR is just, or EDMR. No, e- EM, EM. <laughs> Yeah, right. I'm not at the club, please. Yeah. And um <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm just working on not owning that shit. It's not mine, right? It's not my chicken. Did you have an understanding of your mom's drinking when you were a kid? 
I didn't until um, I start. I think lots of people say this uh, until I started going to other kids' homes and seeing that yeah. it wasn't like that. And then I was like, oh, this this shit is whack. Uh-huh. And um, around the same time, <clears throat> and you want to talk about a social experiment? Um, they merged our high our middle schools merged for mm-hmm. or elementary schools for middle school. So in fifth grade, basically our class size doubled plus plus. And um, I made friends with, you know, a lot of new people and I met this girl um, who I played basketball with. And I just feel like I draw these people to me. I don't know if you feel the same way, but like (laughs) her mom is an alcoholic too. And and we are still really good friends today. I was just home with her over the holidays and we were talking about this shit. And she was like, yeah, well, you know, your house was safer than mine. And so I would put up with your mom because it was like more bearable than being at my house. Mm-hmm. So that was, she, she and I had this like unspoken understanding of growing up of like, mm-hmm. this shit is whack and we just got to mm-hmm. like stick together and like just try and avoid this shit between our two houses mm-hmm. and sports. And luckily I had like with a, like a, a lot going I made myself busy I you know um I think Glennon Doyle says like objects can't hit him mo- or emotions can't hit a moving target like that was my mm-hmm. I was just also never home like I was so involved with things school and um youth group summer camps I'm one of those kids I also went to band camp right like I just had a lot of other um positive role models and activities that kept me out of trouble but also affirmed the things that I was doing and the decisions that I was making in a way that I feel like I wasn't at home because just my parents had their own shit going on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so when you when you look at the laundry list not what are you most struggling with now but what 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 trait do you think has caused you the most pain over your life the denial one especially you know, just like, I'm not going to see this as a thing. And I'm just going to go about my life, like pretending like it's not, and then mm-hmm. be surprised when, you know, I marry someone who's like me. And, you know, I'm, I saw myself like kind of flipping into like the carbon copy pattern that my parents are in. And I was just, you know, it was like, oh my God, this can't happen. Mm. Um. Oh, and the codependent, the codependency um, one as well. You know, mm-hmm. professional people pleaser. I was the fixer. So, give me an example of a way in which you've grown. So this is great. This has happened this morning. Yesterday, so I've been a waste of space all week because I feel like crap going through some shit. Right? I can tell it's taking a toll on my husband because he just starts wigging out like I do. Like we're, <laughs> when I say that we're very we're so similar. We're very different, but we're just, we're so similar at the same time. And I immediately think it's my fault, right? He's mad at me. What's he mad at me for? What did I do? I'm always in trouble, right? I've always wondered what that was. It's the authority figure thing. Cause I didn't mm-hmm. trust my parents because they were not, you know, going to be there. And so this is my problem with authority figures these days. And I have lots of funny stories, especially living in DC because there's lots of those people here. And, um, it's my fault, you know, I'm asking him yesterday, are you mad at me? He's like, no, like, why do you think that I'm mad at you? I'm like, okay, he's not mad at me. But then like, he's 
just mad at life because he's having to do a lot more this week. He's got this new job. He's just got like fingerprinted for it this morning. It's not like final, but it's final. And he's like, you know, he's back in his old job and he's just like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Meanwhile, our kids are like, you know, toddlers and just high maintenance and I'm zero help. And uh, this morning he did a workout class. And immediately after he was done, I was like, oh my God, he's in such a better mood. And it, it like clicked and it was like it's not you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like him and his own shit and like what he needs to you know feel at peace and he probably just needed a break from life and he needed to do something for himself and it's not on me at all it's just him and I think that awareness wasn't there a year ago and it's there now, but it's still taking me a little bit of time to kind of like do two plus two. <laughs> Reminds me of the end of Clue when they're like one plus one plus two plus one. Um, like it's making sense. And like, it's all making sense and it never used to make any sense. And so I just feel like I can trust myself again. You know, um, I feel like for a really, really long time, I just, I couldn't and then I chose not to and I chose I was disassociated from my body everything um I mean I don't know how much you want me to go into but like the the disassociation 100% I think played into um the loss of the first child just because I couldn't feel anything like I Mm -hmm. was choosing not to feel things that were happening in my body like in real time Mm -hmm. and And now that I'm not, and now that I've like worked through and, you know, processed the, you know, the loss of the baby and the loss of kind of like that, the the, like BS, like this is how pregnancy and childbirth is in movies. Like, no, like the loss of that, the loss of like, you're not, you know, you're, you're gonna, so many, just a lot of loss. You know, people were like, it was you hit your rock bottom and it's like I feel like I hit it and then I was just fucking there for like five years trying to like figure out which way was up like I just heard an interview um and they were saying like how do you even if you're disassociated like know what's real or like what's not real like how do you even make sense of it and I the answer was like I couldn't like I I could only do like the bare fucking minimum and the things that I was focusing on like work were just like distractions, right? They weren't helping me like get better. And I, I think it really did take um, my marriage almost ending, like as a result of the loss, which I didn't know at the time. And I have like crazy statistics from this, a couple different studies that have been done. But like, if you guys, if, if, if someone would have just told me after we lost the baby, like, hey, you just had a stillbirth because no one even told me that. Like, it was very confusing for us mm-hmm. for a really long time. Like, did we have a miscarriage or did we have a stillborn? And the answer is basically we had a stillborn because after a certain point of time, that's just medically how they're defined after 20 weeks or 18 weeks, I think. And the risk of marital or even non-marital, like co-inhabitant people who have a baby, mm-hmm. like their relationship ending and mm-hmm as a result is like it's one thing if it's just this, you know a, a miscarriage but mm-hmm. the amount that it goes up for a stillborn is it's so scary and the amount of time that you're kind of, quote unquote like at risk for is like twice as long mm. and so we just like 
instead of like dealing with it emotionally, we, we both dealt with it in different ways and definitely, um, you know, just emotionally shut down from the relationship and we're doing our own thing. Um, but it was, it was the fact that he didn't like want to continue right at the aligned, right at the same moment where I had been, you know, cleared to like go forth and prosper and procreate and have a family. He was like, yeah, no. And I was just like completely, mm-hmm. it's the feeling that you described in the first couple episodes of your podcast. Like I felt like my world was ending mm-hmm. and I had to deal with that at a time when I didn't have a therapist because I had just fired her right for um, basically insinuating um, that if I broke up with my husband, what was I going to do for childcare? Mm. And I said, what fucking childcare, you crazy person. I didn't have a baby. That's why I came to you in the first place just oh to talk God. to you about, yeah, like a little insensitive, read the chart, know who you're talking to. Did she apologize? Um, no, I immediately, mm. as soon as that happened, I said, I have to go. I ended the call. I spoke with her supervisor. He got me assigned another person, but that all took like, you know, weeks. Did he apologize? And, um, yeah, he apologized. He was like, that's not professional. And, you know, we're going to do something about it, blah, blah, blah. Um, thankfully, I was working with just an amazing coach, free of charge through my employer. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, because I get money off my health insurance, <laughs> honestly. Mm-hmm. And that lady did more for me than any of those first three therapists ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wasn't even, she wasn't qualified. She's just a human who had a lot of compassion for what I was going through. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so then um, I think the marriage almost going kaput was really, really what shook me like hard. And I had to really just take a look at myself and he had to do the same thing. I joke that he went on a vision quest, but I mean, it was an entire summer of us both like figuring out like what we actually wanted. And I think we mm-hmm. hadn't had that time or space and we did it differently. Um, we ultimately came back together and decided that we did, you know, want to have a family and thankfully that all worked out. You know, it was really, really, really hard. Um, being pregnant during the pandemic without childcare. I, I mean, it's not for the faint of heart. I know plenty of people who did it and it was our special little project because there wasn't a whole lot else going on, but wow. Wow. Um, all this shit, the adult child stuff definitely poked up right when we lost the baby, even before when I was pregnant, you know, things like I want, I thought I wanted my mom to come and be in the delivery room with me. Fuck no. There's no fucking way that that would have been a good idea. So that never happened, thank God. Um, but, you know, the expectations weren't aligned at all. And I started to see that from them. I started to feel really awful about doing things that I used to think were fun to do, like partying and drinking. I was like, well, no, because now it's different. and we have to do, you know, this, this is the focus. And kind of as I started to hear that, and I had so much more space, right, because of the pandemic. So I was at home, and then finally daycare started again. And um, I went on, I took a really a lot longer leave 
with Ethan, I just pled insanity. And um, thankfully that worked <laughs> for, for a while. Um, I had, um, the fact that I wasn't in like a padded cell after the entire time I was pregnant and having babies is just so amazing to me. But um, with that leave, I, I had more time and space to kind of just like think and go on walks and, you know, journal and with my new therapist, I was, I felt like I was really making progress. So, you know, I think it just really did take um, all of those things kind of happening at the same time now for me to get to where I'm at today, but there's so much difference. And I know that was a really long answer, but, (laughs) you know, I just, I just got to keep the party going. I, I have party in the USA, um, party in the USA, me and Miley. Give me three things that you like about yourself. I like my chefiness. I'm the chef de cuisine here at Casa de Riffle. Uh Love cooking. I really enjoy cooking for y'all down in Florida at the mm-hmm. retreat. Like it was just, I, I told a few different people, such a pleasure to cook for people who are so appreciative and just lovely humans. Like it's so different for me when I cook for my family of origin. It's just, not enjoyable and I haven't been able to enjoy cooking for a lot of bigger groups in a while just because of being a mom and mm-hmm. COVID and whatnot so it was truly a pleasure I love 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 doing that you um I just got my 23 and me done and it's like you have the same gene as high endurance athletes and I was like yeah fuck right like I'm pretty sporty and that proves um <laughs> proves it right I have the one gene now I think my just ability to like play anything moderately okay like even I'm terrible at golfing but I can go golf and not be an embarrassment or I'll just not hit you know balls in the midway um I think that's another thing I really like I was just always really sporty with the boys they're like oh we're gonna play roller hockey I was like sure I'll do that I don't know how to do that but let's figure it out um and then the last thing I'll say is um, I've just been rewatching uh, or rereading book four, Harry Potter. I'm really big mm-hmm. Harry Potter fan. Me too. And I like what they say about Cedric. Um, what Dumbledore says that he's a fierce friend. I think that that just if you look up Gryffindor, all of the characteristics, I'm hundred percent in that house. Um, and I I don't like I was like chivalry. What the fuck does that mean? And so I I you know I thought about it and I was like oh it's kind of like you just uphold all the same morals as like a knight used to. Like you don't let people get fucked with. Like you're just like out there to like, you know, promote good and well-being. Like that's just, I'm on that kind of a mission. Hmm. Love it. Okay. Uh, Hope or dream for the future? Just more healing. Like I've been working with this new therapist, um, EMDR, and she's, she's like, I just, I want you to be even better. And so that's kind of, um, what I want to do too. I I think that it's possible. I've seen, I've seen how much it's helped. And so I just, my hope is that I can keep on keeping on the healing party train. Well, thank you so much. This has been an honor and a privilege. Well, that wraps up shit show Saturday as always. 
Sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups, and it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adult child. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at adult child pod and give me a damn five star rating on Apple and Spotify, and I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.